living a well-balanced lifestyle goes beyond ensuring your finances are in order. Welcome to Keeping the Well in Wealthy with Barbara Archer from Hightower. Barbara speaks with wellness industry leaders and related professionals to share more than financial planning advice. She addresses your questions about living a healthy lifestyle at any age. Learn how to gracefully maneuver life's challenges with support and resources to guide you along the way. Barbara and the team at Hightower help you make a plan, make an investment, and make a difference in your own wealth and well-being, and in your families, and within your community. Thank you for listening to Keeping the Well in Wealthy with Barbara Archer, sponsored by Hightower. Now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to Keeping the Well in Wealthy with your host, Barbara Archer from Hightower. Barbara, how are you? I am well today. How are you, Eric? Doing very well. I'm excited. You've got a guest on the show as, as usual. And I think you said you're talking about ageless aging, which fascinates Yes. I'm glad you're fascinated because when we start thinking about longevity and aging today, I've got to ask you, when do you think someone is old? Well, when I woke up, I was feeling pretty old. (laughs) (laughs) This morning, I'm old. How about that? (laughs) Well, my definition is usually anyone that's seven years older than I am. Oh, there you go. There you go. (laughs) Keep moving the goalposts. I like that. Well, Eric, our guest today, Maddie Dykewald, has researched our aging population for nearly 40 years. So I'm excited to introduce her. Fantastic. I'm excited to hear what you guys are talking about. Great. Well, Maddie has been recognized by Forbes as one of the top 50 female futurists globally. Maddie has also been deeply involved for more than 30 years in exploring, well, I'm going to say almost 40 years, in exploring all aspects of the age wave and how it's transforming the marketplace, the workplace, our world, and our lives. She's an internationally acclaimed author, a public speaker, a Wall Street Journal blogger, a thought leader on longevity, aging, the new retirement, and the ascent of women. So her research studies have been featured in media outlets such as Bloomberg, Businessweek, Forbes, Newsweek, Time, CNBC, and NPR, cumulatively, I can say that, cumulatively, garnering more than 12 billion media impressions. Pretty impressive. So Maddie is a member of the Wall Street Journal's expert panel on retirement, has authored three books, and is currently working on a new book, Ageless Aging, Women's Longevity Bonus, and the Art and Science of Living Longer, Better, to be published with Mayo Clinic Press, which merges her professional and personal passions. So of particular note, Maddie and her husband, Ken, were awarded the prestigious Esalen Prize for their outstanding contributions to advancing the human potential of aging men and women worldwide. So Maddie, welcome, and thank you for being here. Thank you, Barbara. It's a pleasure. Well, I'm really excited about our conversation today because you co-founded Age Wave back in 1986, and I can remember reading the book. And the world's leading think tank on this that impacts our whole global aging population. So can you share how and why this became of interest to you? Yeah, keep in mind, I was in my 30s then. So it wasn't (laughs) that I was thinking about what my life was going to be like as I got older. I was more thinking about it in a general way. So I noticed a couple things that really stood out to me and really made me want to focus in on this whole aging and longevity 
space. Number one, people were living longer. I mean, you looked around, you began to notice the fact that more and more of us were living well past the age of 50, 60, even beyond 70 and 80. At the time, by the way, when I met people and they would always come up to me and say, you know, I have a relative who just turned 80. And that was like big news back then, whereas today, turning 80 is no big deal at all. So number one was people living longer. Second, we began to see a shift in the population. Now, what I mean by that is that our world has always been about young people. That was where the action is. That's who we wanted to look like, be like. That's who we wanted to market products to. Well, that's not the case anymore. And it began to shift back in the 1980s. And I started to notice that my husband and I together started to see that. And we realized that this was going to change the world rather dramatically. Absolutely. Third, yeah, it's crazy. And our attitudes and our expe expectations about what it's like to be an older adult really began to shift also. Before that, we really thought of 50 as being over the hill. That began to change. And I'm really glad it did because now I'm in my 70s and I don't feel like I'm an old person at all. Well, I'll agree with that. I would not call <laughs> you an old person. Trust me. I if People could see you today, they would agree with me right now. So you well, mentioned about how some of these demographics have changed. So the age, though, let's talk a little bit about the differences when age is a number, right? So we have yeah. a number of years. And I can say, too, if I look back at the age I am now to where my mother or my grandmother was, I'm hoping that I look a little different than they did at the time. Of course, many of us don't have the tight little perms that my mother would have done every week. And then they put tissue paper around it or toilet paper so it wouldn't move for a week. But a lot of that has changed. So can we discuss the difference between health span versus lifespan? Oh, sure. Absolutely. So lifespan is the number of years that somebody lives. So that's life expectancy. And today that number has gone all the way up to on average 78 with women doing better in that game than men. But health span is something different. Oh, by the way, just to be precise, women outlive men by about six years. But when we're ah. talking about health span, we're talking about something that I think is even more important. And that is the number of healthy years we live. And on average, people in the second half of life, they spend the last 12 years of their lives in degrading health. Now, that's not a recipe for success. And by the mm. way, while women live longer than men, they also spend more years in declining health, even if we correct for the fact that they live longer than men. So that is not a good recipe for success. And it's something we really need to spend some time changing. Well, absolutely. So what will it take for us to make some of those changes and to slow the aging process? What, what does it take? Help me out here. Okay. So let's like kind of divide that up into little pieces, okay? Sure. Um, first, aging. 
aging is a lifelong process. It starts in the womb and it goes to the day we die. So there's that to consider. Then there's different kinds of aging. And the kind that we really don't like is that physical aging, that physical deterioration that we assume is part of our aging process. Now, sure, yeah, some of it is inevitable, but a lot of it is within our control. Not all of it, like if we get cancer, we can't blame ourselves. But if we're overweight, we can probably take some responsibility for that. If we're not exercising, we can probably do something to change that. And these are some of the ingredients. And I believe there's this holistic recipe that's made up of a lot of different elements like diet, like exercise, like sleep, like brain health, even our hormones and our sense of purpose, social connections has been getting a lot of attention, positive attitude. These things all work together and they all impact each other in a variety of different ways. And it's a actually a pretty exciting opportunity because if you were to make some little tweaks in your life, you could actually almost reverse your aging process. That's exciting. That is very exciting. So just taking some control and responsibility, we can begin to make some of those changes. Yeah, and just as an example, like exercise has been identified as like the silver bullet of aging. I mean, if you were to exercise pretty regularly and some of the experts say just walking 30 minutes a day will make a huge difference, and it will. However, new science has told us that Doing strength training really is the key, making a difference in how long you're going to live, building that muscle mass, avoiding what's known as sarcopenia. You don't want that to be happening in your life. Well, I agree with you. I walked this morning over to our gym, worked out with some weights and walked home. So I count that as all done. (laughs) At least for the day. (laughs) At least for the day. So other things that might empower youthfulness, you mentioned attitude. Yeah. So tell me a yeah. little bit about that. Yeah, you know, that's, there's been some more recent studies, the work of Becca Levy, for instance, who's at Yale. She has done enormous work on diving into this whole idea of positive attitude. If you feel more positive about your own aging, it can add up to seven years to your life expectancy. That's remarkable. Seven years if I just think I'm aging well, that'll help. I like that. Just to feel more positive about it overall, just to feel like, yeah, you know what? When I wake up in the morning, I'm feeling great. And I have a lot of great things that I want to take care of. By the way, one of the other elements related to positive attitude has to do with this whole idea of purpose or usefulness. In our age wave studies that we've done, we explored this whole concept of purpose and how it adds to both our lifespan and our health span. And when we asked older adults, they told us they thought that purpose was one of the key ingredients to having a successful aging. And they even went further. They said that feeling useful actually makes you feel more youthful. Now that's remarkable. So youthfulness equals youthfulness. Is that what I'm hearing? I like that. 
Yeah, I know. So, you know, and usefulness comes in all different shapes and sizes. I mean, for some people, it could be walking the dog in the morning. That could make you feel useful. Watching your grandchildren, that could make you feel very useful. Oh, absolutely. For others, it's maybe starting a nonprofit. I mean, there's a whole spectrum of ways we can feel useful. And people, of course, are working a lot longer than they used to. Oh, absolutely. And that's the sense of purpose as well. And as I've heard some friends of mine say, well, you know, I have a very full calendar. And so I don't have time to get sick or to worry about my health other than what I take care of myself every day because I have a full calendar of volunteering, their book clubs, their outside activities. So it's it's really just telling you, yes, being youthful by being useful. So I like that. Yeah. Thank you. That's terrific. Yeah, it's great news. And so one of the other things I've just been reading recently is about community and not being alone or having that sense of loneliness. So having more of a community around you, other family. So tell me a little bit about that impact. Yeah, we really got to see the impact of solitude and loneliness during COVID. I mean, it really came out. And what's really interesting to me is that young people were impacted even more than older people. And you might wonder why. In our age wave studies, we delved into this. And what we began to realize was that older people have a sense of resiliency. And this this muscle which it is a muscle and it is a muscle that you can build, this sense of resiliency made them remember that they've been through other hard times and that they've gone through the stock market crashing and they've gone through different kinds of uh, health problems themselves. Maybe they've had to deal with cancer or heart disease or a friend or a family passing away. There's all kinds of things that have made them have to deal with hard times right and, and the stress <laughs> and the stress and made them feel more resilient now this whole idea of loneliness it's huge i mean studies have been done that show us that feeling lonely and that's a feeling can mm-hmm. be equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day isn't that amazing that's the oh health my gosh Now, the interesting thing is that social connection comes in a lot of different forms. So for some people, like I have friends who are extremely extroverted and they want to have a very large circle of people with whom they come into contact. And that works really well for them. I have some other friends who are a little more introverted. They really like that one-on-one. And if they have two or three people that they can consider their like extended family, they're in great shape. And frankly, from studies that have been done, we found that both of those ways of feeling social connection are really, really successful. So what's the difference between social connections in person or like we're doing on Zoom today versus someone that builds a relationship online? Are there differences in that feeling of connection? I personally think that there is, for me, let me talk about myself for a minute. Sure, sure. Um, I personally feel like I need 
a sense of touch. I love, you know, I'm a touchy-feely person. So I really like to be able to connect with people, give them a hug, maybe just, just tap them on the shoulder, look them in the eye. That kind of communications to me is much more valuable than just Zoom. Sorry, Barbara. <laughs> but um, Well, it is, but at least we got to meet each other in person. So we had exactly. that opportunity, which was wonderful. And it really helped. It really helped bridge the gap. Sure. For me, when I connect with people on Zoom, it's a second choice. It's still a good choice. Like as for example, um, my son and daughter-in-law are right now, she's Chinese, he's American. They are in China right now visiting her family. And I don't want to not talk to them oh, <laughs> just because they're not for a long time. So we connect via FaceTime or Zoom, like almost every day. It's great. I would be so unhappy without that. Oh, that's terrific. So we did talk a little bit about health span versus lifespan. You had mentioned to me also brain span and wealth span. So can we go down? Let's talk about brain span first, because that's that's something that um, I've I've not really heard much conversation about that. Okay, well, I think you're going to hear more and more about it. So, so we have lifespan, how many years you live, health span, how many healthy years you live, and then as a sub segment of health span is this whole idea of brain span. Now, the whole study of brain has really gone into high gear since we've started seeing more and more people living longer. Because what we find is the number, and this is from an age wave study that we recently did. In fact, we did it during COVID. The number one fear that older adults have when it comes to health is not COVID, even in the middle of COVID, not even cancer or heart disease. It's cognitive decline and getting Alzheimer's disease. And by the way, two-thirds of all people who get Alzheimer's disease are women. Oh, and it's gosh. not just because they live longer. There's something else going on there. I mean, it may be something that's hormonally based. We're not really sure. And in the past, excuse me, in the past, we thought, okay, this is totally a genetic thing. If your parents or grandparents had Alzheimer's, that was kind of like a death sentence. And by the way, my mother had cognitive decline. So that scared me to death. However, more recent science has told us that there are some things you can do that can not only delay it, but potentially prevent Alzheimer's disease. And that genetics is just a small part of whether you get it or not. And to me, that is great news because that number of healthy years you can have your brain functioning well, that's brain span. That's what you want. I mean, nobody Absolutely. wants going into their later years without having their brain functioning well. But that's so encouraging too. Again, you're saying taking the responsibility for yourself yeah, and, and doing I'm, as much as we can. That's right. And I would say that one of the good little pieces of information that all of your listeners can take away is what's good for the heart is good for the brain. So exercise, eating that Mediterranean diet, getting seven to eight hours of sleep a night, uh, managing your stress. These are all things, keeping that positive attitude. These are all things that can not just help your health span, but very specifically increase 
your brain span. And that's really important. Well, and you mentioned about the longevity and we, you and I spoke a little bit about wealth span because that's one of the things obviously we do. If we, if you plan for a hundred year life path, then we have to make sure that we're also planning for that income to continue to let you live that healthy, long lifespan. Yeah, that's really so true. So just keep in mind that, you know, as I mentioned earlier, this holistic recipe of all the different elements that impact each other, well, money is. Now, you know, and I know that your whole podcast is based on this, the whole definition of wealth has really been misunderstood. Oh, I mean, yes. we think it's like, oh, you need to be rich. Well, that's not what it's about. It's about well-being. And that's what we all want is well-being. And having financial peace of mind, knowing that you have the financial wherewithal to make it a hundred years, that provides that financial peace of mind. And that in fact creates a sense of wealth span. Now, what's interesting to me is that there's some very direct correlation between wealth span and health span. So just for example, people often don't consider the fact that the number one reason people leave the workforce early is because of health-related issues. Mm. So there's that one direct correlation. There's two other ones that come to mind just immediately. And that is that there's an assumption that Medicare covers all of your healthcare expenses once you hit 65. And that just isn't true. There's a lot of -of out-of-pocket expenses. And if you are to utilize long-term care, which you got to assume that that's a possibility, that can be really pricey. So yeah, I want to talk. You just mentioned about all the different healthcare areas. So if you were to build your own cabinet, who would be the players in that cabinet for your future? Okay, so I think that being able to use the healthcare system in a smart way is one of the most important elements of living long and living well. Uh, We need to know how to access it. And we need to know how to be that squeaky wheel, for instance. Sure to advocate for yourself, right? You've got to advocate for yourself. You've got to do it. And if you can't do it, you need to find somebody on your in your personal life that can advocate for you, but way better to advocate for yourself. So you need to have that one person who's sort of the gateway to everyone else. And that's a primary care physician. And it needs to be someone you trust and you like, and who is willing to spend time with you, not just that 15 minutes that some of the healthcare systems suggest that their doctors spend with each patient. Well, if you're lucky, depends on the system. Sometimes it's eight minutes. So. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. You have to find the right system and finding those people with whom you can have a good conversation. So it's not just about the knowledge. That's right. Ask your friends, ask your network of people. Do you have a doctor that you really like that really communicates with you that listens to you? And that listening is a really important part of the thing. And then keep in mind that you can send them a list of questions in advance. I mean, there is nothing wrong with that. They would appreciate that. 
No, those are all good points. So besides in, in your cabinet, you've got a good care provider, your primary care provider. So if you have other health issues, would those be the people? So whether it's a cardiologist or a urologist, I guess those are the people that you add in as needed. Yeah, and that's kind of the obvious one. And I think you're right. Those are really important elements. And those are things that your primary care physician can help you with. But then there's other things. Like, for instance, if you can afford it, can, do you have a trainer? You know, a uh, trainer who can work out with you. And if you can't afford it, some great classes, even if they're online, and many of those classes are free. Are you buying the right kinds of foods? So maybe you need a nutritionist. There are diagnostics available now online that you can get that can tell you your biologic age, uh, the health of your microbiome, your gut microbiome. I mean, the tools that are available to us today are dramatic, but you need to put yourself in charge and determine what you really want and need. So for instance, Barbara, I'll say for myself, I was really having some gut issues. So I did the Viome test, which is a poop test. Yes. Um, found really very appetizing, but I'll tell you something. It was a great thing to do because it gave me a list of my superfoods the foods to avoid, the foods that I, um, it's okay to have, but not all the time, and the foods to enjoy. So I use that list to kind of recreate the health of my, my, my gut microbiome. And it worked. It was a uh, really fantastic tool. Oh, that's fascinating. So you mentioned chronological aging. Um, yeah. So that the differences between chronological, the number of years, as we've spoken about, but biological yeah. aging or psychological aging. So how do you let's talk about biological aging. So is there a way to measure your biological aging? Uh, yeah, there are. Uh, let me just put it into a context. There's more than one kind of aging, as you just pointed out. There's three kinds of aging. Some of them are great. Some of them are not so great. <laughs> and some of them just are. <laughs> Chronologic aging just is. It's the number of birthdays, the number of calendar years you've lived. And that's kind of arbitrary. It um, is, but yeah. hopefully there are lots of them. So we want to just keep yeah. extending that if they're those healthy years, right? That health span, right? Absolutely. Which comes to the second, which is biologic or physical aging. And that's like, what's going on with you on the inside and the outside, by the way? Um, how old are you really? And there are tests that you can take that are available online that measure your biologic age. And they might even tell you, you know, you could probably do some things to have better heart health. For instance, I took one of these biologic tests and I am 73 in calendar years. Proud to say, hope to live another 20, 30, 40 years. There you whatever. go. <laughs> but in terms of my biologic age, I was only 52. So I really liked that. <laughs> I would like that too. That sounds terrific. Yeah. So. And then there's another element though. There is the psychological age. And I think of that as emotional intelligence. Living a long time, you gain wisdom, you gain experience, you gain empathy, believe it or not, oh, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> <And> these, <laughs> these things make you a better person. And those are the kinds of things you want to accumulate with aging. You want to be psychologically aging well. 
And that's something to keep in mind is because it's not something that people pay attention to the way they really ought to. Well, many times people just think they're too busy to take care of themselves. So sometimes we have to be that reminder, which is what we try to do in our podcast here, our little reminders. So you mentioned about some of the testing you can do online. There are a lot of things online. So one of my concerns is always there are scams out there for anti-aging related products and programs. So how can our listeners protect themselves by not getting sucked into something that's really kind of inappropriate. Excuse the interruption. I know you're listening to Hightower's Keeping the Well and Wealthy podcast, but if you have questions related to these or other wellness and financial issues, please reach out to your advisor or go to hightoweradvisors.com to find a financial advisor near you. Now, back to Barbara. Yeah, well, that is really important. There's no question about it. I think that you have to look at the source of the material that you're referencing. Uh, There's so much fake news out there that it's really a complicated thing, but things like WebMD or Mayo Clinic or the Cleveland Clinic, those are trusted sources that have been around. Start with credibility of the underlying research. Okay, credibility. You want to go to really good resources. Um, Second, if you're using supplements, which personally I do, although I would say that many doctors are very skeptical about supplements. I personally like them, but this is just a personal thing. And the reason they're skeptical is the sourcing, because there are certain supplement companies that you can't really trust. I mean, they're, they haven't been around for that long. They may do their manufacturing process in such a way that toxins could actually get into the product, or they may not be pure product for what they say. So look at the companies that you buy supplements from very carefully, because there's some really good ones. Oh, by the way, making sure that those supplements are very bioavailable so that they're easily absorbed. And liquid forms are generally, you know, as a rule of thumb, more readily absorbed than pills. Yeah. Yeah. And capsules more than just pills. So, you know, the closer to the source, the better. There are certain supplement companies that out the fact that they really use, they use real food. Their products are based on real food. And that's a good idea. (laughs) I like that idea. Absolutely. Real food. The team of people. So if there's a, a service that you want to use, go to their website, look at the people who are involved in the company and check out their bios, look at their backgrounds, Um, make sure that, and look at it, not just from their website, that's a starting point, but go on the internet, you know, go on chat GPT and look them up and see what is their background. Right. And are they doing clinical studies? I mean, do they have, yeah, do they have research to back it up? That's exactly right. I mean, that is super important. So, and you want to know, you know, somebody who went to Harvard versus Cal State, no offense to Cal State, probably has a more more rigor because it's a research institute. So I would just say because it's a research institute. So look for the research institutes or the universities for background. 
Okay. Exactly. Oh, that's I helpful. Would, yeah, really good idea. So we recently saw an 80 plus year old woman on the cover of a major magazine. <laughs> no, regardless of what you think of someone there having been to prison or whatever, I have to tell you that that does change our perception of aging. And so when we look at that, what do we, does that help us or hurt us when we see someone, do we compare ourselves to that person and say, gee, why do they look younger than I do? Or how do I move forward to make myself be healthier and look healthier? Okay, well, that's a really big question. So let's try to break that down a little bit into its component parts. For one thing, I think you're talking about Martha Stewart. Yes, ma'am. And I think we're talking about her on the cover of Sports Illustrated, which is pretty provocative and a great marketing tool for them. I mean, here they are just, they've gotten so much attention for this. And so is Martha Stewart. The thing I like about it, there's a couple of three things that I like. First of all, Martha Stewart is a real person. I mean, she's an entrepreneur. Sure, she was a model when she was young, but she's 80 years old. She is no longer a model. She is an entrepreneur. She is a tastemaker. She was in jail, as you pointed out before. I mean, she has a full life and a thriving business. And to put someone like that in general on the cover, rather than just a model, is pretty awesome all by itself. Then well, of course, second- because now just think they're going to sell more magazines to older women as well. So and men. <laughs> and men. Yes. Yeah, it's good funny. marketing. You're right. Yeah, it's great marketing. So second, I think the idea we, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we thought of 50 or 60 as being over the hill. And what we see is Martha God bless her. She is not over the hill. And she is indicative of a whole generation of women who feel like, don't pigeonhole me because I'm a certain age. I have a lot more life in me. Um, I'm attractive. And the fact that you can feel and look and be attractive in your 70s, 80s, 90s and beyond, that's new territory. And it's particularly good news for women because women there's not just ageism, there's lookism. We are, there's a lot of prejudice against older women in the workplace. And maybe, just maybe this help moves the dial just a little bit. And I like that. Well, anything we can do to move that dial is a positive. And she does look great. So I'm going to, and since I got to meet you in person, I'm going to ask about what you believe some of the secrets are to healthier skin. So whether it's men or women, you know, having a healthy skin barrier is good for us overall, but also it's the first place we look at someone, isn't it? In their face. And we say, gosh, you kind of, not that you want to judge, but it kind of gives you perspective of what you think the age category might be for that person. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. I take the skincare thing pretty seriously. I remember when I was in my early 30s, uh, I went to get 
I don't know, I think I was getting my nails done or something. And uh, the woman that was working with me was a skincare expert. And she said, you know, you go to the gym all the time. You need to take care of your skin the way you take care of your body. And it really resonated with me that she was right. And so there was a couple things that she pointed out right away. One, you know, you are what you eat. So the kind of food that you put in your body, it reflects itself in your skin. And hydration, for instance, drinking a lot of water, the more water you drink, I mean, your skin starts to, you know, everybody says you wanna glow, that's a way to glow. <laughs> drink okay. more water. Uh, and hydrate. Then the third thing, yeah, hydrate, it's like super important. And if you're wondering how much you should drink, they say, take your weight, divide it in half, drink that many ounces of water a day. So it's a pretty easy hmm. formula. And I would encourage everyone to drink water, especially clean, healthy water. And if you can add some electrolytes into it, all the better. So in some brands of water, but I'm not suggesting everybody drink water bottles. We know that that plastic is not good for the environment, but there are certain brands that do have electrolytes added. And there is one brand that actually has silica in it, which takes out the impurities in your system. So things like mercury and cadmium. So that's really good news. That's uh, then of course, yeah, it's really interesting. There's also, come on, let's face it. The sun can be our friend in many ways, but unless you use some sunscreen, it's not going to be your skin's friend. Well, mineral-based sunscreen, one. that's my number one morning routine, always mineral-based sunscreen, and then a hat before yeah. I go out in my walk. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And if you do that, you're like halfway home. You do those three things. And then of course, there's like going further. <laughs> and I don't know how much further your listeners want to go or want to think about, but you know, I personally think that building collagen in your system naturally is a great tool to have. And there's some products that can effectively do, do that. There's some laser treatments that can effectively do that. You know, I'm a big believer in building up the collagen that you're losing and to do it in ways that are as natural as possible, I personally think is the best way to go. So well, there you are mentioned vitamin C, by the way. Vitamin, vitamin C, C serums, serums, right? Yeah, they're great. I, I'm a big believer in those vitamin C serums, the Retin-A products, which can cause redness, but they've really improved the products these days. It's the only thing that's FDA approved to lessen wrinkles. And I mean, come on, if you don't want to have wrinkles, you should be using Retin-A. <laughs> it's that simple. <laughs> well, there you go. So Maddie, I just think this is such a great journey on I'm looking forward to your ageless aging book. And so what I've heard is that we should be eating lots of fruits and veggies for many, many reasons, right? Grains, nuts, yeah. seeds, your Mediterranean diet you mentioned, exercising, not just aerobic, but strength as well, probably strength, strength, stretching and balance, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. You and I talked about matters. that. Yep. I know it really all matters. And the more, the older you get, the more you want to do all of those things. And it sounds like a lot to do, but there's ways to combine them. And some of them are available via YouTube and you know, take a good Pilates class when you're doing it. 
And you only momentarily mentioned sleep, but I know that's always a challenge to hear from people as they age their sleep disruptions. So we'll have to uh, have another podcast, I guess, coming up on just sleep alone. Yeah, I'd love to talk to you about it. It's really important. And I think the two things I really took away was the positive attitude really has a large impact. So probably having that positive attitude and staying curious so you can then find your useful, I like this, usefulness. I have that as equaling youthfulness. So that's, it is, (laughs) but it's an interesting concept and it's easy to remember. So I appreciate that one as well. So thank you for that. It is my pleasure. The one thing I would say about eating lots of fruits and vegetables and nuts, very important, you know, eat real food, not too much, mostly plants. That's what Michael Pollan says. And I agree with him. But I would say that eating organic has really become much more of an issue and something that you ought to do as best you can. And if that means flash frozen organics, that's fine. I mean, in fact, they're very healthy and very nutritious because with all the toxins in our environment today, most physicians will agree with the fact that you ought to eat organic, especially things like blueberries that don't have a peel on them that you take off. Oh, good to know. So Maddie, I'm going to ask you a final question for today. And that is, (laughs) how do you keep your well in wealthy? Um, I do it all. (laughs) I follow the holistic recipe and I really try to take it seriously. I recently from the work uh, that I've learned from the research for my book on ageless aging, I've started really trying to pay attention to my circadian rhythms. So recognizing the fact that when I wake up in the morning, what I do is as important as what I do before I go to sleep. So I really try to put myself in sunlight the first thing in the morning. And it's really made a difference in my sleep. It's just oh. been most remarkable. Oh, that's very informative. Thank you for sharing that. So I'm going to yeah. invite Eric back to join us. Wow. This, is, this has been a ton of great information. I had so many comments running through my head and then you brought up Martha Stewart. <laughs> uh, sorry, but are you ready? Are you planning for your hundred year lifespan, Eric? Well, yeah. It, it, well, here's the thing is uh, two things with Martha Stewart. First, when you mentioned that I, I don't subscribe to Sports Illustrated, I had no idea the reference that you made. And I thought my first thought was Sports Illustrated. Is she Is she playing pickleball? Right, because you had a pickleball <laughs> guest, right? I no, I, I, I'm in all seriousness. And then I found out it was the swimsuit edition. I'm like, that is fantastic. That is Pretty really amazing. Really cool. I love that. You know, so that to me, that's so empowering. I, I think that's a really great thing. And it, it, yeah, so I love that. But I also, Barbara, we didn't talk about this off air at all. I just ordered a bicycle, an electric <gasps> bike. So it's a it's a dual, right? So you can pedal it without right. any any battery or anything. Because I'm going to ease my way up to it. I love riding my bike. Um, I've had one for a long time and now I, I don't have one. So I've ordered one, but I want to go longer distances, but I know I'm not ready for that physically. So I'm going to work my way up to it. So I have some pedal assist for a while and then, you know, and I won't use the assist at all. So I have to use some self-discipline. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, it, I want to get out there and exercise, but I don't run. Right. So it, there's a lot of things we can do. You said you, you walk, you walk to the gym. 
I thought, that's awesome. I walked to my kitchen this morning. I thought that was, the <laughs> but so I'm going to work my way up. So we're going to check in. Okay. And I'll, well, I'll Eric, you. I'm proud of you. You got the, you, you took the first step. You bought the bicycle. Now I want to hear when <laughs> you actually way. get on and the helmet, right? You got a helmet. Yes. Yes. Okay. Because if you use full electric, it goes 30 miles an hour. So I'm really excited Ooh. about that, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, a helmet for sure. So do you have any other questions for Maddie? Maddie, I, <clears throat> I, do, I have a, well, maybe a question or a comment. When you talked about when you're, when you're aging and, you know, you can gain empathy, right? I think that that's a great mindset when people can do that, because I think we've all seen, and movies obviously characterize them, but I've also seen in my lifetime, really, really grumpy people, grumpy older people. Mm. And every time I think about that, when I was a kid, it was just because they were grumpy and I just didn't like them. They were bad neighbors. But then I realized as I became an adult, they were lonely. Those were people yes. that were really shut off from other people. Maybe their family wasn't visiting, or maybe they just didn't have close ties with the family, or maybe they didn't have any children. Their friends are all gone, right? So they became kind of hermits and they became grumpy, get off my lawn kind of people. But yeah. I, I really noticed that when people have those healthy relationship and connections, those are not those grumpy neighbors. Do you see a correlation yeah. with that where people are lonely? That's when they lose empathy and they just get kind of isolated and grumpy? I haven't seen scientific data that points to that per se, but I think it's an excellent point and an interesting observation. I think that there's probably some truth to that. And I think, you know, I think that we as outsiders need to pay attention to that and maybe use our own empathy to try to mm -hmm. engage those people in ways that can maybe make them a little less grumpy. Yeah. <laughs> it's too stuff. Kind of reel them in and get them to be more fun. Yeah. So, and Eric, if you have more questions or anyone in our audience does, we will have this in our podcast notes, but Maddie can be reached at maddiedykewald.com, which is M-A-D-D-Y-D-Y-C-H-T-W-A-L-D-E, or through agewave.com. So I would say go ahead online, and she's also available on LinkedIn and Twitter, but we can reach out to her. So please do if you have more questions. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And in my Twitter feed, we put a lot of, you know, I've been interviewing like all the top experts in all these different fields that connect directly to this whole aging and longevity issue. And I've been putting quotes in there from them, from the interviews. So it's been really fun. It's been, well, a, it's been a journey. It's been fun having you on and we thank you so much for joining us. And Eric, thank you for your questions as well and for buying the bike. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Maddie, again, I just want to echo what Barbara said. Thank you so much for being a great guest. Barbara, of course, thank you for hosting a, a wonderful show and bringing this to us, the audience. And of course, our last thank you will always go to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to thank Keeping the Well. All. You're welcome. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Keeping the Well and Wealthy with Barbara Archer. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Barbara comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask you share this podcast, rate it and leave a review as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Hightower, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to go out in the world and make a difference. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Keeping the Well in Wealthy with Barbara Archer, sponsored by Hightower. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. 
The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Wealth Advisors. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Wealth Advisors is a group comprised of investment professionals registered with Hightower Advisors LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Some investment professionals may also be registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors LLC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is neither indicative nor a guarantee of future results. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data or other information referenced herein is from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other data or information contained in this presentation is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. Hightower Wealth Advisors and Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates make no representations or warranties expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the information or for statements or errors or omissions or results obtained from the use of this information. Hightower Wealth Advisors and Hightower Advisors LLC assume no liability for any action made or taken in reliance on or relating in any way to this information. The information is provided as of the date referenced in the document. Such data and other information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed herein are solely those of the authors and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. This material is not intended or written to provide and should not be relied upon or used as a substitute for tax or legal advice. Information contained herein does not consider an individual's or entity's specific circumstances or applicable governing law, which may vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction and be subject to change. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor for related questions.